Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Okay, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn them open to Matthew 7. We're going to continue this series about life by design. You guys thought I forgot about it, didn't you? You're like, hey, we had a week off. Maybe pastor just forgot about this discipline thing. We're going to go on to another subject. No, I got a lot more weeks to go. Um, And so we're going to start in Matthew 7 this morning. And today we're going to talk about, I'm going to kind of go down some of these specific areas that I've been mentioning. And today we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. There's all sorts of disciplines you can have in your life, and we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines today. We're going to start with spiritual because that's the most important one. Put first things first, your spiritual life. Uh, But in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about relational disciplines. We're going to talk about mental disciplines, and we're going to talk about physical disciplines. That's the one you really need to be here for. Come on. Y'all forgot how to respond. I know it's been a week. Um, And uh, that's why we're taking that lovely hike together. Because I know you guys have wanted to hike with me with the amount of times I've said Charlestown State Park from this pulpit. Now's your opportunity. I'm going to take you on a hike at Charlestown State Park. So let's read Matthew 7, verse 24. It's actually one of the verses that helped start this church. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Who who doesn't have any spiritual discipline in their life will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fault. So today I want to talk about spiritual disciplines. And to get this started before I dive into this lovely message that you're excited to hear, right? You're very excited. I I can feel the excitement level coming off of you right now. Um, I want to honor somebody in our church who has excelled at spiritual disciplines so far this year. You know why you guys are still trying to find your Bible, to start your Bible reading plan? Some people have already read through the Bible. So I want to honor tonight, some of the Cory boys did a challenge called the Shred to read the Bible within 30 days. 30 days. Some of y'all have never read your Bible. Ever. You definitely haven't read the whole thing, and you definitely haven't read the whole thing in 30 days. So, so a lot of these young men are doing this 30-day shred, which I think is amazing. We need more people like that. But how many know reading your Bible like that, that's a spiritual discipline if you go read it in 30 days. But there's one specific young man that stands out above the rest, Mr. Joe Gedney. Now, Joe, how many days exactly... Did it take you to read the whole Bible? He said last year it took him 14, this year around 17 or 18. He didn't even wait for the 30 days. Now you're in seventh grade, right? Seventh or eighth grade, seventh grade. This man has already read his Bible 
Y'all haven't even found your Bible yet. It's, it's, it's almost February. Come on. But I want to honor Joe Gedney, seventh grade boy, for reading. We're not just talking a chapter or a book. The whole thing. Genesis to Revelation. One time 14, one time 17. So, in the words of Dr. Dufresne, it pays to serve the Lord, Joe. So, I have a $100 gift card that me and Morgan got you to honor you today. So, come on, Joe. For reading your Bible this quick. That's amazing. So, now that we all feel horrible about our spiritual lives... Let's talk about it, because we're all convicted, and we all feel like we don't even love God whatsoever. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now that we're all condemned and beat up, let's go, right? Um, Isn't that awesome? Man, this is the kind of young men we need in our church that read the Bible in 14 days, 17 days, 30 days. This is amazing. I'm, I'm really proud. I know the rest of you guys are reading it, too. I don't mean to leave you out, but Joe stands above the rest. So, uh, in the words of doctor, it pays to serve the Lord. So, thinking about this series, we started about spiritual disciplines. Thinking about the messages we've been preaching, I want to recap a little bit before we get into what we're talking about today. We started this series called Life by Design, because either we're living life by design or life by default. Now, most people live it by default. They, they go through the motions every day, every week, every month, every year, spiritually the same, physically the same, mentally the same, relationally the same, financially the same. They go through the same old, same old, because they are living by default, not by design. They're not living intentionally. Now, the only problem with that is a lot of these people have big dreams, big plans, big things that they're believing God for to do, and then it doesn't happen, and then they blame it on God. They blame it on their pastor. They blame it on their church. Not realizing that they play a part in God's will happening in their life. The Bible says that we are co-workers, co-laborers, partners with God in his will being done in our life. Jesus himself said that when we pray that we should pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's God's side, but then there's man's side. And so we play a part in To let you know today, if you don't live an intentional, on-purpose, focused, disciplined life, you will not have the life that you're designed to have. You won't. I don't care how much you shout in church. I don't care how much you do a Pentecostal jig. If you don't have any discipline, your life's not changing. Am I in the right church? I don't, I don't care how many sermons you hear about God's plan for your life. You have to play a part in it. Now, you're not the only part. God has this part and you have your part. But like Morgan said during the offering, you have to do the natural so God can do the supernatural. You have to do something so he can help you do the rest that you cannot do. But you have a part to play. So in this series, I'm talking about your part that you play in God's will for your life. So we have been using this little example, and I know you love my art skills. My daughter makes fun of it every time I draw it. So this is you. This is your life. You're right here. We talked about this the past several weeks. We talked about how all of us are right here, and God will put a design or a vision in your heart for your future. 
And not just in one area, but every area, your spiritual life, your mental life, your financial life, your relational life, dreams and plans that God has put in your heart. And we all need a vision, a design. Without a vision, the people perish. But here is the fulfillment of that dream or the life that God has for you. How many know to get from here to here, you're going to have to do something? You can't jump it. You can't swim it. You're going to have to build a bridge to get you from here to here. Now, this is why most people don't get from here to here because they never build this bridge. Because this bridge is called discipline. Discipline is the bridge to take you from where you are now to where you need to go. From who you are now to who you want to become. To go from the vision that God has for you and that's in your heart about every area, not just your spiritual life, for that dream or that life coming to pass, the bridge is discipline. Which I can tell you're super excited about still. And that bridge of discipline is what changes us, what grows us, what molds us. And if we lack discipline, we will not achieve the dream and the plan that God has for us. But I want to talk today specifically about spiritual disciplines because we got to start with the spirit. Now you are, as a human, a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. And guess what? God cares about all of the parts of you. Not just your spiritual life. But I am going to emphasize the spirit today because let's start there. But we realize that we are spirit, soul, and body. But our spirit is the part of us that is in contact with God. The Bible says that God is a spirit and we are a spirit. So our spirit man should always be first. Because out of our spirit flows the rest of our life. We're starting with spirit because if you don't get the spirit right, it doesn't matter how disciplined you are mentally, it's not fully going to be the life that you want it to be. We're going to start with the spirit because no matter how physically disciplined you are, if you don't get your spirit right, it won't fully be the life it needs to be. We got to start with your spirit because even if your money is aligned and you're out of debt and you're doing well financially, if you don't get your spirit right, it won't still be the life that it needs to be. But God cares about all of it. But the spirit part of us should be first. Everybody say first. First. The spirit part of us should be the first priority in our life. To develop it, to grow it, to become strong spiritually. Now, you need to be strong mentally and physically and the rest of those things. And we're going to talk about that. I believe in that. But our spirit man should be a first priority being strong. Let's look at Proverbs 4, 23. It says, keep your heart, or we could say your spirit, with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Let's look at what it says in the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart or your spirit, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, For from there flows the wellsprings of life. 
Other translations of this say, guard your heart with all diligence or your spirit, for out of it flows your life or sets the course and direction of your life. So if you don't get your spirit right, even though you can do other things and be disciplined in other areas, it's fully not going to be right because out of your spirit or your heart flows your life. It sets the course of your life. It sets the direction of your life. And if you're right in your spirit, trust me, the other things in your life will start getting right if you get your spirit right. So we're going to emphasize the spirit today because out of it flows our life. It sets the course and the direction of our life out of our heart, our spirit. You with me? So I want to make a guarantee with you, and I don't want you to say this is preacher talk, but I have a guaranteed way that you will have the best year you've ever had. This will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. I guarantee that. Now, I can't say that about any other area of your life, but I can guarantee you this will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If you grow spiritually this year, it will be the best year of your life. If you develop your spirit more this year, it will be the best year of your life. If you decide to emphasize and be spiritually disciplined to become the person that God has created you to be, it will be the best year of your life. Even if the other things don't go right, if you're spiritually disciplined, it will be the best year of your life. Guaranteed. Now, I can't say that about necessarily all the rest of them, but spiritually, it will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. So let's emphasize the spirit today. Now, You have to understand that for thousands of years of church history, spiritual disciplines were honored and loved and sought after. These disciplines were not seen as a negative. When somebody was disciplined, that meant that they were growing, that they were working hard, that they were changing, that they were pursuing excellence in every area of their life. Discipline, the word, has not even become a negative word till modern people. For all of human history, when somebody was disciplined, that was looked on as, that's great. That person's a leader. That person's changing. That person's growing. That person is excellent in what they do, not just spiritually, but every other way. But the modern definition of discipline has made us look negatively about it. Gets a bad rap. So when I say spiritual disciplines, automatically people are like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be strenuous. It's going to be... And we already automatically have a negative attitude towards it. And we look at discipline the wrong way. But spiritual disciplines, just like other disciplines, are for a purpose. And they should be loved. They should be honored. And they should be sought after. Spiritual disciplines like prayer, like the reading of scripture, like Joe Gedney did. Like worship, like fasting. Giving is a spiritual discipline. Taking a Sabbath or a day of rest is a discipline. All of these disciplines in the thousands of years of church history were honored. And people sought after these things. They didn't neglect them in their life. Because they realized these spiritual disciplines are going to grow me up. These spiritual disciplines are going to change me. These spiritual disciplines are going to make me more like God. 
These spiritual disciplines are going to make me love God and know God better. It's not a duty or it's not a hardship to be spiritually disciplined. These disciplines are life-giving. Not hard, harsh. I don't want to do that. Spiritual disciplines are important. Just like every other discipline in your life, but we need to put our spirit first. Are you, are you with me today? The point of spiritual disciplines is to cause our minds, bodies, souls to be refocused on God. I'm going to read you a few quotes about that. Spiritual disciplines are provided for our good, not for our bondage. They are privileges to be used, not duties to be performed. There is discipline involved in Christian growth. And the the rate that the man or woman of God grows spiritually is at the extent it depends upon their discipline. Spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate disciplines that promote spiritual growth. Self-discipline is not self-punishment. It is an attempt to do what prompted by the Spirit of God is actually what you really want in your heart. The spiritual disciplines are a way to order our entire life around God. So all throughout our day, our week, our year, we are in a place that we can receive and know God and love God better. That's what a spiritual discipline is. But there's a purpose behind spiritual discipline. And let me share you share with you the purposes of spiritual disciplines. And I mentioned them a second ago, but all the spiritual disciplines that we do, whether that's reading our Bible or worshiping or prayer or fasting or giving or there's so many different ones it talks about in the Bible, all of those are for a purpose, for a point. Let me tell you what they're not for. Spiritual disciplines are not so God will love you more. If you're doing it for that reason, you have missed the train. Spiritual disciplines are not so we can brag to other people. Spiritual disciplines are are not to make us earn our salvation or to, to make God love us or like us more. Spiritual disciplines are for a different purpose. And the purpose of spiritual disciplines is to know and love God better and to become like him. All spiritual disciplines are leading us to this place of, I want to know and love God better, and I want to become more like him. So how do I do that? Because how many know if you just sit at home and think about it, it's not just happening. You're not just automatically loving and knowing God more and becoming like him just by wanting to. You actually have to do something to have that happen. And spiritual disciplines are a way that we know and love God more and we become like him. Are you with me? So, I want to share a few things with you on what spiritual disciplines are and what they aren't before we talk about three spiritual disciplines before the end of this day. Are you, are you following me? Spiritual disciplines are love, they're not legalism. Spiritual disciplines are love, they're not legalism. We need to understand this. When we talk about being disciplined, automatically everybody's like, oh, 
Well, that, that just sounds like legalism to me, Pastor. Just like, I, I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to do this. I got to do that because I need to love God more and become like him. Wrong attitude, wrong point. You missed the whole thing. No, spiritual disciplines are about love and not legalism. Now, you need to understand this. Like I mentioned earlier, for all church history, spiritual disciplines were honored and loved and cherished and sought after. It's more of a modern thing that we have thrown away spiritual disciplines in the name of legalism. And a lot of that has to do with the grace message. Now, I preach the grace message, and trust me, the body of Christ needed the grace message. They needed it because they were the law and the prophets, a lot of Christians, and they still are today. We needed the grace message, but some people took the grace message so far, they acted like, you just don't have to do anything at all, just exist. Now, you don't have to do anything for your salvation, but you do have to do something to grow up spiritually. Now, you don't have to do anything to make God love you more, but you do have to do something if you want to grow in your spirit, man. And see, people have gotten confused, and it's like, well, you taught grace, and that means I don't got to do anything. And he goes, no, it's talking about salvation, not you growing up in your salvation. It's not talking about you growing in your godliness, or you growing in your holiness, or you fulfilling God's plan for your life. You play a part in that. And so we have, we have downgraded people that are disciplined and say they're legalistic. Oh, you read your Bible every day? That's kind of legalistic. Is it? You eat every day. Why do you eat? Because you love it. Look at your phone every day. Why do you do that? You're legalistic about it. No, it's because you love it. You do a lot of things day after day after day after day. and No one tells you anything about it. And it's not legalism. It's because you love it. But yet when we do it in the church world about something that actually matters, that's actually important, that actually could change your life, that actually is the point that you're breathing oxygen on this planet is to know God and love God and to become like him. When we do that habitually and discipline, people say, oh, that's legalism. Is it? Real spiritual discipline is love, not legalism. And sometimes in the church world, we've thrown out disciplines because we've thought, well, they're just being legalistic. No, some people are, but the spiritual disciplines aren't the reason it's legalistic. It's the person's heart. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, y'all. Because these are the things that for generation after generation after generation has helped spiritual people get stronger and become spiritual giants because they were spiritually disciplined. And these spiritual disciplines, they're for a purpose to know and love God more and to become like him. And without them, you're not just going to love God and know him more. It's not just going to happen. You're not going to become like God just because you came to church like once a week. That's important. But it's the spiritual disciplines that transforms our life because it's spending time with God and we become more like him. We love him more and we become like God when we are spiritually disciplined. But it's love. It's not legalism. Are you still tracking with me this morning? 
Let me use an example of marriage. How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand. You could put it down. I was about to say, how many are happy about that? Okay. So your relationship with God is a lot like marriage. Because, you know, when you first get into the relationship, no one has to tell you to buy that person gifts. No one has to force you to spend time with them. You just do it. No one has to tell you to open the door for them. Nobody has to tell you to put them on your calendar. Why? You're just in love, so you want to be with them every day. You want to hang out with them every day. You want to do stuff with them. You want to buy stuff for them. And that's what happens to all of us when our, we're, we're starting in our relationship with God. We're just so in love. Like nobody has to tell us to give our tithe. Nobody has to tell us to serve at church. Nobody has to tell us to read our Bible. Nobody has to tell us to pray because we're in the honeymoon phase with God. Right? Just like you were in your marriage at the beginning days. But like every relationship, not just human, but with God, you can become familiar over time. So you don't do the things you once did that actually helped you stay in love. And a lot of people with the relationship with God do the same thing. And then they blame it on God that I'm just not fired up like I used to be. And I'm not excited like I used to be. And I'm not passionate like I used to be. You know why you're not about God? Because you're not doing the things you used to do when you were in love with him. Which are spiritual disciplines. So just like in your marriage, if you've been married a while and you want to actually have a good marriage and not just exist and look at each other every once in a while, you're going to have to do something in your marriage and it's going to be discipline. Pastor, don't say that. It's all about love. But you know how you stay in love? Discipline. If it's true for human relationships, it's true in your relationship with God. So that you know what you're going to have to do when you're married because you don't just have all the time in the world and you're not living off your love because you both have to have a job now. And then you start having kids. And then you start having bills. And then you start having this thing after this thing after this thing. You know what you got to do if you want to stay in love with that person? It's not legalism. It's love. You're going to have to start putting disciplines in your marriage like date nights. And why do you have a date night? To get to know and love each other more. Now, why you spend time with God? Same way. You're going to have to make things on the calendar like, hey, we need to talk about our money. And not like a fist fight talk about our money, but let's talk about our money. And you got to make a time. We need to be disciplined. Why? Because if you want to stay in love with that person and keep connecting, you're going to have to have some discipline. If you're going to want to be with that person physically, yes, I just said that. As a married couple and you got busy stuff in your life, you might have to put it on the calendar as a discipline. Well, I just want it to be spontaneous. Well, it might never happen. <laughs> if you don't get disciplined about it, especially once you start having kids running around the house. Am I preaching better than I'm preaching? Yeah, I'm preaching. And if you want to stay in love with your marriage... And being married to the person, you're going to have to do some things that are disciplined. Like setting time to have a date night, setting time to talk about things, setting time to be together physically, setting time to do this. And that's not legalism, that's love, isn't it? Isn't that love in a relationship? 
When your husband or wife says, I want to spend time with you, I want to talk to you, I want to be together with you physically, you'll say, that sounds a little legalistic. Why are you playing it out? Can't it just be spontaneous? Why are you playing it out? That's discipline. That discipline leads to love. It's the same way with our relationship with God. We put these spiritual disciplines in our life. Why? Because we want to make space and time to have a relationship with Him. We put these disciplines in our life so we can understand and know God better. We set times where we can talk to God and we can read God's word and we can pray and we can worship, not out of duty and legalism, but I realize I have to put that discipline in my life if I want to stay in love with God. Now, God's always in love with you, but you're not always in love with him. And I have to put these disciplines in my life just like I do my marriage so we stay connected. We stay tight. We stay in a good relationship with each other. If it's true for your human relationships, it's true for your relationship with God. And when we do spiritual disciplines, it helps us to continually fall in love with God. It helps us to continually fan the spiritual flame of our heart that we don't fall out of love with God, that we continue to be burning hot and fired up about the things of God whether we've known him one year or 10 years or 50 years or 70 years, we can still be as excited and as in love and, and more focused and more passionate about being with him than we ever were before. But it doesn't just happen just because you're saved. I know so many people that have been in God for decades and they're the most apathetic cold towards the things of God people I've ever met in my life. Why? Because a long time ago, they stopped trying with God. They stopped spending time with God. They stopped having disciplines with God. And after a while, just like a marriage, you'll fall out of love. Your relationship will get cold. Not on God's side, on our side. Let that never be said of us. Let us, as we grow in our relationship with God, Get more in love. Get more fired up. Get more passionate. Get more desirous. That the more we know and love him, the more we want to know and love him. The more we want to become like him. Let that be said of all of us in here. I don't care if you've been in God one year or 50 years in here. Let the people that have been with God the most love him the most. And show younger generations, this is how you love God. And stay in love with him. That you still desire him and hunger after him. Even though you've known him for 50 years or 70 years or however long you've known him. But that doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. Because you're in love, not legalism. And you need to put disciplines in your marriage just like you need to put disciplines or habits into your relationship with God. Why? Because it keeps you connected. It keeps you in love. It keeps you fired up. It keeps you in this place that God can speak to you anytime about anything. You don't have this long distance relationship with God like, man, I haven't talked to him all week. I need to get to church. But we're close with God all the time. And I don't know about you, but I don't like it when I get away from God. I feel weird. 
I feel like everything's off, and it's never God moving away from me. It's me moving away from him. So the Bible says, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. So spiritual disciplines are love, and they're not legalism. You with me? The next thing I want to share about this is legalism is training. It's not about trying. Could we get some air turned on in here by chance? I'm preaching, and so I'm getting hot in this Methodist church. Spiritual disciplines are about training, not trying. When we do spiritual disciplines, it's not trying to make God happy or trying to get God to love us more or trying to earn our salvation or trying to become somebody we're not really. Spiritual disciplines are about training. The best example of this is just like your physical body has muscles, your mental capacity has muscles. Your spirit has muscles. And the more you use it, the more it grows. So when we exercise ourselves with spiritual disciplines, the stronger our spirit man becomes. Now, I said it's like training, not trying, because when we start out in our walk with God, there's certain things that he wants us to do, but we don't have the spiritual strength to do it yet at the beginning. So how do you do that? Just like if you were going to run a marathon, which is 26.3 miles. You don't go out tomorrow and run 26.3 miles. Or you end up in the hospital and I have to come pray for you. But here's the truth. It's not that you can't do it. You just haven't trained for it. Because your muscles are up to the challenge, but you just got to train them to get that strong. It's the same way spiritually. There's things that God has called you to do, but it doesn't come automatically. You got to train your spirit man by being disciplined, by doing God's word, by by reading his word, by prayer, by by worship, by fasting, by exercising the, the discipline of giving, by doing these things. And all the time you're doing that, you're spiritually getting stronger and stronger. And when you do that, your love walk grows. Your faith grows. Your peace grows. The things that God wants for you starts growing because the spiritual disciplines are training you, but it's not about trying. And just like you running that marathon, you couldn't do it today. But if you train day after day after day, you'll get to the place you can run that marathon. Same way spiritually. There's things that God has for you, but you got to grow into it. There's things that he wants you to believe God for that maybe today you can't do. That doesn't mean you can't do it. That means you need to start training to get your faith to the level you can believe God for that one day. There's some situations that your love walk needs to grow in. You might not feel that strong today, but you keep doing spiritual disciplines like getting in his word and praying and worship. Your love walk will grow so much you'll be able to do it one day. Because spiritual disciplines are training. They're not about trying. And spiritual disciplines help train us. Why? To become more like God and to love and know him better. And to be able to do things that we couldn't do when we first got saved. 
our spirits can grow. Our spirits can change. Our spirits can become so spiritually strong, we can do things that we couldn't do at the beginning days because our spiritual muscle has developed. Let's look at Matthew 7. Look at what this says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and the and great was its fall. Let's jump back to the first verse. Look at what it says. We're still talking about spiritual disciplines. Now, why do we do it? We, we do it out of love, not legalism. We're doing it because we're training, but we're not trying. Look at what it says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Keyword, and does them. Because how many know there's billions of Christians that hear the word of God. And they are not spiritually strong at all. Why? Because they don't do them. Doing them takes discipline. And the person who does them, he will be a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25. Key verse, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock. Now, now why am I sharing this story? Because it has everything to do with spiritual disciplines. It talks about a man who built his house on the rock and a man who built his house on the sand. And it says, whoever hears it and does it, that's discipline. There'll be a wise master builder who built his house on the rock. So when we do daily, hear me, and I'm about to preach. When we do daily spiritual disciplines and we don't think it's making a difference, it is because we're building our spiritual house. We don't see it at the time because the house isn't built yet. But day after day, when we hear it and we do it, which is discipline, we are building our spiritual house on the rock. So, that, so the day you pray when you don't feel like it, you're putting another brick in your wall. And the day you praise God when you got a bad report, you're putting another brick in your wall. And the time you fast when you don't feel like fasting, you feel like eating Chick-fil-A. You're putting another brick in your house. And the day that you read the Bible, when you feel spiritually dry, you're putting another brick in your house. And day after day after day, because a, a house is not built in a day. It's built day after day after day. You're being a wise master builder by doing these spiritual disciplines every day. And eventually your house will be built and it will be built on the rock. Because you didn't just hear it at church, but you did it and put some spiritual discipline to it. But why did you do it? Because Jesus is warning us. There's going to be storms of life that come to all of us. 
And if you build it on the right things, day after day after day, prayer and fasting and the word and spiritual giving and and taking a day of rest and listening to God and coming to church and being in life groups, you're putting bricks after bricks after bricks after bricks into the house that God is building in your life. And then when the storms of life come, you'll still be standing. And it's not if they come, it's when they come. But in the day we don't feel like doing spiritual disciplines or don't feel it that week, we're thinking, oh, it's not that big a deal. You're building for something in the future. You're building your life on a rock for the future. Because you might not need it today, but you'll need it next year. You might not need it today, but you'll need it seven years from now. You may not need it today, but because you've been putting these spiritual disciplines in these bricks in your life, you'll be glad because your house is built on the rock. Come on, somebody. I'm helping you if you're listening today. Or... You could be the person who built his house on the sand, who hears it at church, doesn't do it. I don't feel like praying right now. I really don't want to put on worship music. I'd rather just put on the radio. I don't really need to fast. You know, if I give or don't give, it's not that big a deal. All those decisions... You're building your life on sand. So when the storms of life come, guess what? You got nothing that you built your life on because there's no spiritual discipline. You don't have any reserves. You don't have any foundation. You don't have any strength. Why? Because all these years you've neglected the spiritual disciplines that can make you strong. Miss Marion is the only one saying amen, but the rest of you need it. I'm going to say bring the sandwiches if you don't start. We all need this message. We all need this message. It's not if the storm comes, it's when the storm comes. But you'll only be standing if you built it on the rock. But what is building on the rock again? It's not just hearing what he said. It's the one who hears and does. That word does means discipline. Are you with me today? Why am I so excited about this? Why am I so stirred up? Because it's for your benefit. Trying to help you today. Storms of life come to all of us. But if you want to get through it and still be standing... And still have a house afterwards. You got to put the bricks in day after day after day after day. They add up to a strong house that can withstand storms of life. Then you don't fall apart when somebody dies you didn't want to die. And you say, well, I don't want to go to that church anymore. I don't believe God anymore. That just shows me you've been building on sand, buddy, not the rock. I get your feelings and emotions. Trust me. I got a lot of them. When another area of your life happens and you have to declare bankruptcy, well, I'm not going to believe God anymore because this happened with my money. 
Come on, you've been building on sand. Build it on the rock. That no matter what happens, no matter who dies, no matter if you get divorced, no matter if you lose your job, no matter if your kids go astray, no matter what happens, you'll still be standing. And there's some truth in this that if you prove to God and other people see you still standing, that will be the greatest witness that they've ever seen. And they'll come asking you, how are you still standing after this? How is your life still going after this? How do you still love God after this? How are you still pursuing the things of God after this? Because I built my life on the rock and not on sand. But it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen like a few weeks in the Word and then you get tired of it. It happens brick after brick after brick. When you're thinking about First Wednesday, come on, let me talk to you. Because you already know it's coming. Some of you have already made up your mind you're not coming First Wednesday. Why? And you're feeling that on first Wednesday, and you're like, oh, I'm feeling a little tired today. Better get that brick out. Brick or sand, your choice. And then, and then, you know, life groups, and you're like, ah, I went to life group last season. Come on, you better get that brick out. You might not see it today, the fruit of all those decisions, but you'll see it one day. Brick after brick after brick after brick after brick after brick. Because you didn't just hear it, you did it. That's why spiritual discipline is so important. I love Jesus because he gives us a warning. He's like, hey, it's your choice though. Like, don't go this way. Don't build it on the sand. Build it on the rock, but it's still your choice. But I'm telling you, storms are coming. Because you live in this planet. But build it on the rock. You with me? I'm going to close. What does that mean, Pastor? Nothing. (laughs) Just wanted to encourage you like I was landing the plane. I could or could not, but it's like comforting, right? When somebody says, it's about over. It's about done. Guys, we're about wrapping this up. (laughs) I want to talk about three spiritual disciplines. I'm going to go real quick through them that are Priorities. If I was sitting across the table at Puerto Vallarta with you and you were eating my chips and queso and you said, Pastor, how do I start getting my spiritual life right? I would list these three things to start with that you should do every day to some level. Doesn't have to be an hour of each of these. Just five minutes of each of these would start you on the right path. These are spiritual disciplines that have, that have happened for thousands and thousands of years that have kept people connected to God and in love with God. First thing is spiritual discipline, prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Why? Because sometimes we feel like praying, and other times we don't. That's why it's a discipline. But you need to know this, whether you feel like it or not, God's still listening, and God still cares, and it still matters if you pray, even if you don't feel it. But prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's talking to God. And the more you pray, 
the better you will get at praying. I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. The Bible says that we should be praying always and always be praying. That, to me, sounds like constant, ongoing prayer. That means that person has to be disciplined in their prayer life to do that because we don't always feel like praying. But prayer should be a priority every day to all of us in here. It's a discipline. Whether you feel like it or not, once again, God hears you. God is answering those prayers. It matters. I know sometimes when we don't feel like it, we're like, I don't even know if that made a difference. It did. If you prayed in faith, it did. But prayer is a discipline that we should have every day, talking to God, connecting to God. Of all the relationships you have in your life, if they're close, you talk to those people every day. How much more God you should talk to every day. Could be on the way to work in your car. Could be at a walk, on a walk. Could be at your lunch break. Could be at nighttime when everybody's asleep. But whatever it is, all of us need that spiritual discipline. And the more you give yourself to it, the more you will desire it. The more you give yourself to it, the greater you will become in your relationship with God. Trust me. But like every other discipline, most of us give up before it starts getting real good. We give up before it starts getting uh, to the place of a relationship that we really want because we don't stay with it and be disciplined. So prayer. The next thing is God's word. We need to get into the scriptures, your Bible, every day. The Bible says that it's God's word speaking to us. The Bible says that this word of God, even though it's written by men, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That the Bible is God breathed. Every word from Genesis to Revelation, it has been inspired by God. To give us instruction, to give us guidance, to give us wisdom, to know how to live and for our relationship with God to get better. Every day we should get in the scriptures. I love this quote and I read this recently. It says, if you can't hear God, read him. Most of us act like we can't hear God. Well, I'll tell you a guaranteed way to hear God. Look at your Bible. Read it out loud and you will hear God. Because whether you hear him audibly or you hear him in your spirit, every day you can hear God through reading his word. So the more we get into it, the more we hear him. That should be a discipline because some days you will feel like reading it. Some days you will feel like not reading it. Some days you will get revelation and it will feel like all the light bulbs go off in your heart and you're like, wow, I got a revelation. Other days you read it and you're like, God, why the heck did you write this? When you're trudging through Leviticus or Chronicles or Zephaniah, you're like, why God, why? Why are you putting through me through this? Uh, I, I don't know why you would ever write this or why, how is this ever going to speak to me? There's days like that, but it's a discipline. And I love this quote. And I heard this a long time ago at a youth camp and I've never forgot it. 
by the great Tommy Birchfield. He said this, put the word of God in you when you don't need it, so it will be there when you do need it. Because all of us will have days that we feel like, I don't need this verse. I don't need this chapter. And if you put the word of God in you when you don't need it, the day that you do need it, you're like, Zephaniah 3.7. What? I thought there wasn't anything in that. And God brought it back into you. But he couldn't bring it up if you never would have read it in the first place. And there'll be a day that Leviticus 17 will speak to you. And you're like, my God, the scabs in Leviticus 17. Why do I have to do this? I don't know. Maybe your kid just got hurt. I don't know what the verse is for. But Leviticus 17, you're like, I'm glad I read that because I got revelation about Leviticus 17. When we do it daily, the discipline of reading God's word. We're putting it into us even when we feel like we don't need it. It will be there when we do need it. But reading God's word is a discipline. Now, for, for all of you in here, there's uh, hundreds of translations. You can find one that you understand. It's so easy nowadays. There's Bible apps that read the Bible for you. There's Bible apps that are free and study Bibles that have devotions that you could read every day that you don't even have to find the stuff yourself. There's so many ways that we can get the word of God into us in 2023. There's no excuses. But whatever you do, do it daily. Get into God's word to some level, even if it's five minutes. Even if you just read a book in Psalm. Even if you just read a chapter in John. You put the God, word of God in you when you don't need it. So it will be there when you do need it. Lastly, worship. Brother Daryl, could you come play? Thank you guys for being with me today. Did you guys get something this morning? Worship. So these are three things to start with. All of us. Spiritual disciplines every day. Good place to start. You want to get stronger spiritually? You want to grow in your relationship with God? You want to love and know him better? Pray every day. Read God's word every day. And worship every day. And since it's a discipline, that means you do it whether you feel like it or you don't. And trust me, if you do it over a period of time, it will change your feelings. It will change your emotions. It will change your mind. It will change all that. Because it goes from discipline to desire, then you delight in it. Lastly, I want to talk about worship. And we're going to close. It's so important that we worship God. Not just on Sundays when the praise team is rocking it, but we worship God in our private life. Now, there's so much good music out there, church family. There's so many great worship leaders and singers and groups, Elevation Worship and Maverick City Worship and Bethel Worship. And there's, there's amazing groups of people that you don't even have to make up the worship yourself. Just put it on. There's instrumental worship that you can pray to and worship to and even make up your own songs. But we need to set an atmosphere of worship in our life to discipline whether we feel like it or not. It will change us. Not only will it get our eyes off of ourself, which is our problem, and onto God, it will keep our eyes on the answer when we worship.
I tell you, worship is one of those things that stirs up joy in your heart like no other thing will. So many of us are struggling, being down, depressed, overwhelmed. But the Bible says to put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That means we need to worship. And it's a discipline. How many know if you got the spirit of heaviness, you don't feel like worshiping? That means it's a discipline to take off that and put on worship and praise. But if you do it, the joy will come. The peace will come. God's presence will come. Because God says he inhabits the praises and worship of his people. You want to know God and love him better and become like him? Worship every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible every day. And worship every day. Not out of legalism, but I love you. And the more I do it, the more I love him. And the more I do it, the more I know him. And the more I do it, I become like him. Why? Because I'm training my spiritual muscles for what he's got called for me to do in the future. And I'm building my life brick by brick, worship song by worship song, word time by word time, prayer time by prayer time. I'm building my spiritual house that I'll still be standing no matter what storm comes into my life because my house is going to be built on the rock and not on sand. But it happens when you do it day after day after day, even if it's just a little bit. It's making a difference. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of word, five minutes of worship, all of us can do that. Just a little bit matters. And we need to, I know I got to let you go, but I got to say this before I go. We need to be more expressive as believers in Jesus. Not just at church, but in our private lives. It's not healthy, it's not good when you just shut down, you got no emotions. We need to express our love to God with shouts, with singing, with dancing, with laughing, with raising our hand. I'm going to say it since you're pushing me to say it. And this is not a racial thing. Because some of you are like, well, I'm white. I just don't have, shut up. Just shut up. No, you can dance if you want to. You can sing if you want to. You can praise if you want to. Or, you know, I came from a family. We're reserved. We're, we're, we're Germans. We're English. We don't act that way. Bull. You shout at the, the uh, Louisville game. You take your shirt off at the Louisville game. And then when you come to church, you're like. No. It's not a racial thing to be a worshiper. It doesn't have to be, well, I'm black, or I'm Asian, or I'm Latino, or I'm white. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's a heart position. We can all be expressive to God. It's not about what, what background you came from. I'm Irish. I'm English. I'm German. I'm. No, it's not about that. It's not about where you were raised. If we're going to be a worshiper, we need to start being more expressive to God. And when you do that, that breaks stuff off you. Break stuff off your mind. Break stuff off your heart. Break stuff off your family. Break stuff off your house. But if you're going to be non-expressive in worship, you're not going to get there. You're not. You're not. If God's presence doesn't move you, you got a problem. Your heart is hard. Your heart is cold. 
if nothing phases you, you don't laugh in God's presence, you don't cry in God's presence, you don't rejoice in God's presence, you don't shout in God's presence, you have a heart issue and you need to get right with God. Can I say that on this Sunday morning? I just did. And you're only hurting yourself. Being so hard-hearted. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. You're only hurting yourself. You're hurting your marriage. You're hurting your kids. You're hurting your future. With that stinking attitude. Sheesh, I'm saying it this morning. You are. One thing I learned from my mama, a lot of things, other than the either you tithe or get out of the stinking house. Threatened that a lot of times to me. Like, you'll live in the garage. I'm like, okay, I'm giving, I'm giving. You can write out my tie check for me. Give whatever you want. I'm staying in the house. She was a worshiper. She talked about it all the time. And some of the non-worshippers in here got irritated about it because she would shout and they'd be like, oh, my ear. And you needed that. Because it breaks stuff off you. Sometimes you need to dance. Sometimes you need to shout. Now, I'm not just talking about being wild for wild's sake. But we all need to be expressive in our own way to God. Not just at church, but in our personal life with God. In our own prayer closet. In our own vehicle. You need to be expressive to God. That's a discipline. Even when you don't feel like, and trust me, when you do it, you're putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That will break off you. The joy will come. The peace will come. God's presence will come. But you got to worship. I I just got to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to read a verse. But I used to lead worship at Church on the Rock. Y'all, none of you really know that. I play guitar and sing. Long time ago. I might do it again one time. One day. (laughs) First Wednesday? This Wednesday? No, not this Wednesday. I gotta learn how to play guitar again. But this is one area that God has talked to me about because I'm good at praying and I'm good at being focused to read and study. That's the way I think. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm always listening to teaching. But he called me out about it a while back and said, but you don't worship like you used to, Jordan. You used to be a worshiper on the stage, but just because you don't do that anymore, you don't even listen to worship music a lot in your personal life. You just listen to teaching, which is not bad. He said, you need to be a worshiper again because there's certain things you're not getting into because you're not worshiping. There's certain things in your life that you're not receiving because you're not worshiping. And so, so I had to take that own, my own correction and realize I need to stir up this worship like I used to and be more expressive. So the other day at Charleston State Park, um, I had my headphones on and it was like freezing cold. And I was like, there's nobody at the park, but I go to the park and nobody's there. And so I had my headphones on. I was on trail six by the river. And uh, see, I'm an old soul and I'm an African-American soul as well. Y'all can laugh. I grew up on black gospel. 
Like, I appreciate the new music, but, but I grew up on black gospel, and I love black gospel. It's in me. Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin, C.C. Winans, Donnie McClurkin, but even people like Bishop G.E. Patterson, people like that. And so uh, I was at the park, and I was hiking. I had my headphones in, and I put on this Bishop G.E. Patterson mix. And, of course, every song sounds about the same. It's got about the same beat, and they were getting it. And so I'm listening to this Bishop G.E. Patterson. And so it, the beat was so uplifting. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> I was just, because nobody's at the park. And I'm like, I wouldn't do this in a normal walking, hiking situation, but it's freezing cold. There's not one car parked anywhere. And I, I was putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I realized after about 15, 20 minutes, I felt so much better. I had so much joy, and I'm like, I haven't danced or listened to music like that in forever. I hadn't worshiped like that. And I was just like getting it and doing like just dumb dance moves. And just because I was hiking, I was like going up the hill and stuff like that. I had my headphones in for like 15 to 20 minutes. And I thought nobody was there. And then I turned this corner, which is. This group of girls <laughs> were hiking. But since I have headphones in loud, I did not notice anybody was even close with their walking sticks. And they were standing on this bridge. There was like four or five of them just staring at me. <laughs> I was like, okay, because I'd probably been doing that for 20 minutes where they could see me. And I thought I was all alone in the park. And so it was a little awkward when I passed them on the bridge. I was like, hey, how you doing? Good, yeah. It's good music. I was listening to good music. I'll, I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. Um, but that was good for me. Some of y'all need to do that every once in a while. Some of you need to get out of your box and just be expressive to God. It will change you. It will change you. And a lot of us in here, we're lacking in our worship life. And we need to be more expressive. We do. Not just publicly, but privately. And watch what God will do in your life when you start just expressing worship. The joy of the Lord will come upon you. Just, just bump some worship music in your house and just start dancing. Laughing. Singing. Rejoicing. It will change the atmosphere of your home. It will change the atmosphere of your car. It will change the atmosphere of your life when we worship. Last verse, and we'll close. I know I kept you long today. Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to a church and he says, you guys can do this, but how do you continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? Singing to yourself. Your own song. Singing psalms. Singing spiritual songs. Singing hymns to the Lord. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Whether you can sing or not sing, it's a joyful noise to Him. And worship is a spiritual discipline. You guys get something today? Come on, let's stand up. I kept you long. I appreciate you staying with me today.
I sure love you guys. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you today. We thank you today for challenging us, for encouraging us, for strengthening us. I pray, Father, right now, as their pastor, I pray that you would uh, create a new desire and hunger on the inside of us for spiritual disciplines. That, Father, that we would desire to spend time with you like never before. That we would cultivate spiritual disciplines. Father, we pray right now that you would speak to us about new uh, opportunities and, and new plans and, and new direction on how we can apply this to our life. Father, we thank you for stirring us all up in here to desire your word more than we ever have, to desire worship, to desire uh, getting in your presence to pray, Father, that we would be a church who is spiritually strong, spiritually strong, building our life on the things that matter, building our life on the rock. And Father, we thank you that we we desire today to know you more and to love you more and to become like you and we thank you father that spiritual disciplines are some of the ways that it helps us to become more like you and to love and know you more father we thank you for it today with with no condemnation today but challenging us by your spirit we receive that challenge today to stir ourselves up to know you more to love you more because we know that's the most important part of our life is our connection with you, God, in our spiritual life. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for all the ways that we can connect with you and have a better relationship with you. We thank you that we cherish them. We honor them. We will never look down on them. And we thank you that you would stir us up again to love you and to know you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I just pray over your people as well, Father, that we would all be more expressive in our worship to you, God. Not just at church, but in our private life. That we all need that. And that you would help us in that area, even if that's not our forte. That we would make the changes necessary to become that type of person. Thank you, Father, that we know when we do, it will change us. It will grow us. It will break things off our life when we express ourselves in worship to you. We love you today. We love you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, can we thank him for a few few seconds here? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you today. We honor you today. Thank you for stirring us up today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. We love you today. We love you today. We love you today. Thank you for each other. Thank you for this church that we're growing. We're growing in our spirits. We're growing as a church family. We thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you're doing in this place. We love you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And help us to come back safely on first Wednesday to hear Pastor Cody this Wednesday. We pray for him as he comes, that he would give us a word in season that we need to hear. 
that the atmosphere will be ready for him to be able to preach and minister whatever you have on his heart to help and bless our church. We thank you for another opportunity to come together and to hear a man of God like that. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for each other. We pray that we go in the blessing of God. We go in the favor of God. The angels of God camp around us to protect us and defend us. Keep us safe. We thank you for a great week ahead in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.